I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Georgia, Georgia, the whole day through, just an old sweet song, keeps Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. I said, in Georgia. Georgia, a song of you comes as sweet and clear as moonlight through the pines. Other arms reach out to me. Other eyes smile tenderly. Still in the peaceful dreams, I see the road leads back to you. I said, Georgia, oh Georgia. Just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on my mind. Other arms reach out to me. Other eyes smile tenderly. Still in peaceful dreams, I see the road leads back to you. Whoa, Georgia, Georgia. No peace, no peace I find. Just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. I 
say just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind And welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of the Patriot Party Podcast. I am the Mick, and with me, of course, is my better, mm, more frustrated and frustrating southern half. V. Lynn, good evening, Patriots. I'm not the one that's frustrated. You're the very frustrated one right now. So uh, one more time, folks. If you know of a better podcasting platform, better than Zencaster, better than any of the other pieces of crap out there, I'm to my wits end with Zencaster, and I'm about to throw it all out. I have a friggin' super high-speed mixer that apparently does not get along very well with Zencaster, and Zencaster doesn't get along with it. It and also doesn't get along with Zoom, as we found out tonight, because we tried correct. to use Zoom to record with Dr. Candace Taylor, who was awesome, and we sounded like shit. She sounded awesome. No, she sounded great. Which... And yet, we sounded like absolute ass. So, one more time, if you all know of a podcasting platform that's better than Zencaster that y'all can suggest, please, please shoot us a line, drop us a line, tell us something about it. I'd be more than happy to go download it and try it once. It's got to be able to do audio and video at the same time because we like to do both. And uh, we do have a Rumble channel for that one specific reason. Zencaster did kind of offer us that platform, but I'm about to take my money and run. So with yeah, that, for real, because we, I mean, there's too many free platforms out there for us to pay for something that doesn't work. Uh, for that, with that though, we have we did have Dr. Candace Taylor on tonight, and she will be. Uh, you will get jealous as you listen. Um, you will hear she will be the next governor of Georgia. Uh, you can tell right off the bat that uh, I mean, I've, I've talked about her before, talked about her before she even really, I mean, right after she threw her hat in, I had heard something about her, went, looked her up, and I was all about her then. I met her down in Tampa, I was all about her. Even then, and then we talked tonight, and I'm still all about her, and I'm going to pimp her stuff out as much as I can. I want every Georgian to listen to what she has to say. She is not a politician. She is a real person. Uh, you will hear that tonight in this interview. Uh, we asked her some really tough questions, too. We did not hold back. Uh, we did not give her softballs like Joe gets. We asked her real effing questions like, look. That's right. We forgot to ask her what her favorite ice cream flavor is. No, we didn't. <laughs> we specifically left that out. I know. So, but I mean, we asked her real questions. I mean, we asked her what she would do differently with a whole lot of different things. So if you're in Georgia, you're a registered voter in Georgia, you're going to be voting in the next election. I know we've got a bunch of you listeners in here. Um, pay attention to what this woman has to say and go out and fucking research what she has to say. Look her up. Look her up on her website. If you want to reach out and help her out, like we always say, start locally, uh, you're actually going to hear Vila and say, hey, look, I got free time in my hands. I'm going to help you out. So we're doing it locally. Uh, do it locally. If you've got the opportunity, give her a hand. Um, she's always looking for help uh, every which way she can get it. Anything we can do to uh, deconstruct the deep state here in Georgia, which I can't believe that we have to even fight that fight, but apparently we do. Um, we need to get on it now. We need to do it now. So get out there, give her a hand, uh, talk to other people about her, tell other people to look her up. She is, uh, she's got a great attitude. She's got a great amount of information. I was just, I was at all. I was, I thought she's awesome. I 
thought that exactly the way she came off the first time I ever heard her speak to the first time I ever heard her in person. She's been educated for 20 something years. She's been doing this for a minute. She knows all about this stuff. I'm telling you folks, listen to this woman. She's got a good head on her shoulders and I think she'd be great for the state. I agree. So with that being said, I guess without any further ado, we're just going to jump right into this. And again, apologize for our audio, but again, we need another platform other than Zencaster. I need something. Somebody just tell me something. something. I would be very grateful. So anyway, uh, no further, you know, stuff to stop us. Take it away. I'm going to start off with the question. I mean, because you had a chance to talk at, we saw you at a red state thing. You know, I, I'd, I'd like Candace to be able to tell everybody a little bit about herself because I was asking people today, Candace Taylor today, do you have any questions? And they, they were like, who's that? So, you know, I think we see too many politicians. So I, I'd like to, to get to know the person. Um, I think that'll make a, a big difference, a big impact. And then, you know, we have some, some listener questions for you as well. So, okay that but but i'd like to hear a bit of your story first so like the big one like i didn't know you were a doctor <laughs> i have a phd in counseling yeah holy shit see <laughs> fantastic so there okay. we go all right so you ready so are you ready madame i'm ready this is for georgia i mean that's the name of this episode just so you're aware too is georgia's on my mind we we're gonna play ray charles georgia opening this up because I was like, what better thing to start off with? You want to be our governor. That was my thought. So anyway, uh, we'll just go ahead and start recording. Okay. So, uh, tonight we're here with Candace Taylor and, uh, I guess the first thing we got to know about you is who are you? Because there's a lot of people in Georgia and we live in Georgia. We live in Savannah. They have no idea who you are. So we got a ton of listeners, too, that are here in Georgia. So tell us about you. Probably because I'm normal and I'm not an establishment politician and I don't have millions of dollars. I'm just like everybody else. So I'm a public school educator. I've been a school counselor most of my career. I'm an administrator now at the Board of Education in my hometown. I live in South Georgia and I am tired of nobody listening. And nobody honoring the Constitution that they swore to uphold. And so basically, I've had enough of it. And I ran for U.S. Senate last year. And I really thought it was the Democrats that were the problem. And then I realized as I ran for U.S. Senate that it's the Republicans are just as bad. And it is just the establishment. They think they're kings and they think they're tyrants and they don't listen to their people. And our government is of the people, for the people, by the people. And they're our public servants and trustees. In fact, that's what the Constitution calls them. It doesn't call them a leader. It calls them a public servant and a trustee. And we don't trust them and they're not serving the public. And so I want to see every seat replaced with normal people. There are 10 million people in Georgia. There are patriots all over our state. There's plenty of people to go run, serve, and come home and not make a career out of it. When you make a career out of it, you forget who you are and you forget what you belong to and you become part of the swamp. And there is a swamp in Atlanta, just like there's one in D.C. So I'm just a normal, ordinary woman. I have three children and I have 
you know, my family lives in South Georgia where I live. I've lived here all of my life. I fought for abuse children all of my career. I still do that. I work full time and I'm running on the side. You know, I do this on the weekends and at night when I can get, you know, around within driving distance to my job. So I just want to give Georgia a choice that won't be bought off. And this good old boy system in Georgia has got to stop. And I'm concerned about my children and their future and my future grandchildren. I don't want to live in China and I don't want them to either. And we are very close to losing our freedom. So I'm sacrificing to have something different. And I can't, I can't disagree with any part of that. Um, we met down in Tampa. Uh, it was the first time I ever saw you speak. Uh, the first time that I've actually, I read anything about you was when you initiated your run for the governor. I saw your thing go through because I get the, all the GOP stuff here in Savannah. <clears throat> And I saw your name come across and I was like, who's Candace Taylor? I have no idea who she is. And I went and read your website. And uh, there's something about your website that I was just like, maybe it was because my mother, she was a administrator. She was a school teacher. for. She was actually my middle school teacher. So Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It was something about <laughs> your website that I saw. I was just like, holy crap, 36 years. I mean, my mother was a teacher for 36 years. There are certain way educators are. And when you see those educators, you always know who those educators are. And I was like, man, there's something about you. And then when I saw met you for in, in person down in Tampa, I was like, holy crap. Yes, this is who I want to see. This is who I want to see run. This is the type of person I want to see run. Male, female, black, white, it doesn't matter to me. I just want to see you have my values in mind. And I've tried to echo that. I've, I've, you know, we've, we've really, I mean, we pimped you out on this, on our, our podcast. I've always talked very highly about you. I think the world of you, and I think you are what Georgia needs, but there's a lot of questions that people have asked me that I've got to ask you. And, uh, <clears throat> the first one, the number one question that's on every Georgian's mind right now. And I got a feeling you're not going to be surprised by this question, but, uh, first of all, if you get elected and you become governor of Georgia, what are you going to do about the 2020 election? Both Brad Rathensberger and Brian Kemp, what is going to be done if you become the governor of Georgia? So I'll never become the governor of Georgia if we don't do something about 2020 now. Like that'll never happen because they'll hijack the election again. And I'm not stupid. I'm not arrogant to think that I could win when President Trump didn't win. We know that he won, but there's no way that they'll let me in that seat. So I'm pushing as hard as I can right now for a forensic audit. I have been for months. I've been working with Arizona, you know, getting affidavits and notices. I've been going to a grand jury. I'm the first person in the state to ever use a grand jury for election fraud. And I've been told I'm the first person in the country to do that. And I've actually filed a new grand jury. I, I did Cobb County and the DA got in the way and wouldn't let me speak directly to the grand jury foreman. And which is unconstitutional because we, the people, have a right to petition the grand jury. It's a people's jury. Our, our forefathers saw that and knew that we needed something else as a safety net when our politicians and our general assembly don't listen to the will of the people. And so Cobb County got in the way and kind of intercepted, and I haven't even got a response from them. But today I hit Cherokee County. And I was able to directly message the grand jury foreman, which is great. That's much more progress than what we had in Cobb. I have five counties I'm going to hit one every day this week. And hopefully one of them will let us present the evidence we have. And we have 
you know, a data team that's gone through all of the evidence there and the discrepancies in, in tabulator tapes and in the recount that's on the Secretary of State website. And they see the evidence that's there in black and white. And we can present that to the grand jury and they can do indictments or they can demand a forensic audit. And, you know, one of these counties, I chose counties that I knew no matter which one of them allows the audit, they will overturn the whole state. And, you know, it's, it's very expensive to do a forensic audit. And so we don't have to do the whole state right now, but we do need one county that can show the truth. And then we can move on from there. And we could do it a lot faster than Arizona because Arizona has many, many less counties than we do. So we have 159 and they have somewhere around 10, maybe 14, maybe eight. I can't remember, but Maricopa is humongous. So it took a lot of time and it won't take that for one of our counties. So we can actually move forward a lot quicker than them and, and get it done expediently. I hope Cab County is uh, on your list because if you saw the things that came out today, there were tens of thousands of votes in DeKalb County that were counted illegally. So, um, so, yeah, the cap had a lot of issues, and we've kind of been, you know, looking at those numbers and, and fumbling through that. I'm not sure who released that data data today. Are you? Did y'all hear who actually released that? It was just in the news. That's all I know. It came across. Yeah. Epic news and red state news. So I mean, it's out there. It's. Uh, I couldn't tell you who did. I read it too, and I just wondered who actually came up with those numbers. But yeah, DeKalb has some serious issues, just like Cobb and Fulton. You know, they want and Chatham did too. They keep saying Fulton and Fulton and Fulton, but Cherokee had tremendous issues. And and like I said, I have five counties, one per day this week that I'm going to release that all had significant findings from our data analysis. So if 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 that's the case, like, for instance, one of the big questions a lot of people have asked me, and this is one I can't answer because I really don't know. Um, for instance, I mean, we've got Kemp and we've got Rathensburger in there. They're supposedly, quote unquote, Republicans. I, I, I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative. Rhinos. Um, <clears throat> I am 100 percent conservative. I am not a Republican. Uh, I believe in conserving something, i.e. the Constitution, i.e. all the other stuff we've got. But um, one of the big questions I'm always asked is, well, if they're Republicans, "Quote unquote conservatives, why haven't why hasn't there been an investigation initiated at least at their level to find out what I mean? Because we've got Ruby Freeman, we've got Shea Moss, they are on camera, literally taking a box out from underneath the table, and that's in Cobb County. Why isn't anything? Why has there not been an investigation started about that? And that's where I think ninety percent of Georgians right now their biggest concern is: is why haven't we seen anything on that end? Yeah, it's a good question. Why haven't we? So obviously there's something to hide. If there's nothing to hide, then you show your cards and you say, no, this is what happened. Y'all are delusional. You're conspiracy theorists. This is the black and white data. And they proved to us that our vote's secure. And then we go in and we vote and we know that the machines are not fraudulent. But that's not what they've done. They've, they've ran and hide. They've read, ran and hid. They're not wanting us to analyze the data. They're fighting it every way they can. They're doing using delay tactics and stalling methods so that we run out of time so that when the election does happen in 2022 in November, then they can shred the ballots legally and get rid of all the evidence legally because Georgia keeps record of election for 24 months. Other states do 22 months. And so one of my opponents keeps saying, when I'm elected governor, I'm going to have a forensic audit. No, you're not <laughs> because they can destroy everything. That's a lie. 
Just tell the truth. So I'm honest. I'm not going to lie to anybody ever because that's my pet peeve. I hate when someone lies to me. And I cannot stand these politicians who just say things to get votes. I don't ask people for votes and I will never manipulate the populace. So I want you to vote for whoever represents you the best. That's how our government was set up, whether that's me or someone else. I just want your vote to be fair and legal. Well, I, I think you were referring to Vernon Jones there. I, I have to say I had some fun uh, eating some popcorn watching y'all go back and forth on Twitter for a hot minute there. That was uh, quite entertaining. Um, and, and you're right, because we can't have 2022 or 2024 until 2020 is fixed. And if we get all the way to 2022 without 2024, being fixed, then there's, there's, it's too late at that point. Um, but, uh, but let's talk a little bit about Vernon Jones. Why, why should people vote for you over him? I mean, he's, you know, he knows his way around. He's, he's a big flashy politician. He's, um, he's, he's a black man. Used to be a Democrat. He can speak to a lot of people uh, in the state. Um, but uh, so, so what makes you, what makes you different? Why should people vote for you instead of him? Well, he's a 30-year establishment politician for the wrong side. He hasn't proved himself anything conservative at all. And he has been caught in lie after lie. Lie about why he didn't vote for the heartbeat bill. Said it's because it didn't go far enough to conception. Last summer, when I was running for U.S. Senate, he spoke and he said, I'm a Democrat. Yes, I have conservative values. I'm supporting Trump. But I would never tell a woman what to do with her body. So he sat there and said that in a meeting. It's recorded on video. And then now he's saying that the heartbeat bill didn't go far enough. Just tell the truth. You didn't believe in, in saving lives. You believed in abortion. He sat on the House floor and he's threatened the Republicans. If you sign this bill, you're going to lose the House and the Senate. And there'll be a new speaker of the House and it could be Vernon Jones. He is quoted saying that threatening. And his own Democrats laughed at him when he said that. But he threatened to go and take the top seat of the house and make it himself. Then he was living in another district, not in the district where he was actually represented. They censured him, the Republican Party, and I mean, the Democrat Party. And basically, he either had to not run Democrat again or they were going to get rid of him. And so he had no choice but to turn Republican or his political career would be over. But what I want him to answer is how he's worth millions of dollars, over $10 million, when he's made 17000 for almost 30 years. That's what I'd like to know. Because you're a public servant. How do you make your money when you're a public servant? I'd like that question. Oh, and I'd like to know, did he vote for Stacey Abrams? And did he vote for um, Hillary? And did he vote for, yeah, Hillary or Trump in, in 2016? Those are interesting questions to ask. That they are. Um, Actually, I want to know if he voted for, uh, who do we have in the Senate right now that uh, Herschel Walker just came out and said he's running against? Uh, Warnock or Warnock. Huh? Warnock, yeah. I'd love to know if he voted for one of those two either. That'd be another great question. Uh, I'll say in the, in the Twitter war we had, he started with me and he kept on saying things that were lies. And I have nothing to hide. Like, I don't. I've fought, I fought for abused children my whole career. I'm a good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm a hard worker. And I've never taken money I shouldn't take. And I don't lie to people. So I have nothing to hide. And he kept on with me. And I'm going to tell you what I get sick of because I hear him speak a lot. I get tired of him constantly telling me what color his skin is. Constantly. Constantly telling me that. I have, I have worked my whole career 
protecting all children. Doesn't matter what race, gender, socioeconomic class. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves every one of them just as much as the other. And it's my job as a public school educator and public servant to treat them all the same and care about them equally. For him to keep on slapping Georgia with that excuse of why he should win because he can beat Stacey Abrams, who we don't even know if he's going to run or not, is completely insulting. And it's constant. And he's cussing in front of children. There's children all in the audience when he's speaking. And he's cussing over and over and over. And so I just told him, you know, I'm going to judge you by the content of your character, even though you want me to judge you by the color of your skin. And I mean that. So when you look at his character, you can research him. He's been accused of horrific things that I've helped people in prison for. He has done so many things in his past. And I'm okay if you have, you know, you're a bad dude and you got saved and you have repented and you're a different person. But the whole thing with the heartbeat bill and lying about that consistently and playing this race card. And I'm going to tell you, every black friend that I have, Democrat and Republican, they can't stand that. They hate that. So it's not it's not effective. I don't know why he's doing that, but it's every time he speaks, it, it really is turning the people off. So maybe I should encourage you to do it because it's really turning off Georgia. Well, it, it sounds like he's just running the same Democrat playbook that he grew up with because you know, race is one of the things that they use to divide us, just like religion and uh, politics and sexual orientation and now vaccines, you know, now you're, we went from my body, my choice to not when it comes to putting this experimental gene therapy in your body. So you're exactly right. You know, these vaccine passports are going to be a big thing here. I mean, they already are. And they called us conspiracy theorists three months ago, six months ago for saying that. And yet now New York has gone full vaccine passport. Australia is in, I mean, martial law lockdown. France. Um, uh, France. And now they're embracing it. They're embracing what they said we were conspiracy theorists for saying. Now they're embracing it and they're forcing it on everybody else. Oh, it's the ultimate gaslighting. Oh, yeah. Um, so how, how are you going to fight that? I mean... You know, Ron DeSantis is, is standing strong and, and they're constantly smearing him. But honestly, you know, he's been doing this for quite some time. He's got a good. Ron is Ron is a I bit of security, but, you know, well, he's, he's a bit of a politician. So. He, he is. So so how are you going to to fight things like vaccine passports and mask mandates in schools or anywhere uh, in the state? Well, I can tell you, I won't do what the current governor's doing and say no mandates and then sit back while these school systems are mandating masks to their students and telling them, oh, if you don't do a mask, you have to go virtual or you have to go homeschool. So don't tell me no mandates, but don't be man enough to tell the counties no mandates. You're the leader of our state and you pay these board of educations to do a job. And when you say no mandates as the top official, it's no mandates. And I'm hearing from people all over Georgia, really all over the country, where their school systems are mandating masks. It is totally unconstitutional to mandate it on adults. But now you're mandating it on children who you have no authority over. Their parents have all authority over them. CPS gets in the way when they shouldn't. Other people get in the way when they shouldn't. Children belong to their parents. 
and you are overstepping yourself royally. But our courts are so corrupt. What are you going to do about it? Well, that's a great question. I actually, I quit my job and I had a, a pretty high level, high powered. I was a basically the number two at a major hotel here in Savannah. And I initially stepped down um, to spend more time with my family and then basically, well, quit entirely. I, I worked a couple hours from home until they could replace me. But to, to homeschool our kid because they came through with a mask mandate. They sent us an email at 10 o'clock at night, the day before we were supposed to have our yeah. our uh, meet the teacher night. Day before days, school started. Three days before school started. And he was in a private school. And we went in and we said, no, we we cannot preach against masks at night on, on our platform and then turn around and send our kid to school in a mask. But ultimately, we let the decision up to him. And he flat out told us, he said, look, all my tests are in the afternoon. After I spend an hour in the mask, my, my brain gets all fuddly-muddly. I can't think straight. He came home with a headache every single day last year. He'd get nauseous. He threw up. I don't even know how many times. The first day in school. Yeah, he threw up the very first day of school last year. He didn't. He requires fresh air on a regular basis, like constantly to breathe. And he's a really smart kid, and I was not going to put him through that. So we, we ultimately left the decision up to him, but he... He knew what was best for him, and he knew that we would support him 100% in it, so I quit my job, and we're homeschooling him. And it, it's a lot of fun, especially when we – someone uh, gave me the advice that uh, the, the best thing about homeschool is that it doesn't have to be like traditional school. You can set up your curriculum however you want. You can take field trips. You know, we, we spent the first week going to the beach for two hours every day and learning about, you know, the ocean and, and waves and sea animals all kinds of fun stuff. So we're designing our own curriculum, and that's a blast. And we're very blessed to be able to do that. Mick, you know, is able to support us without me really working, but there's so many parents that don't have that option. It's almost impossible to raise a family legitimately, you know, without living in, in a, a shack, um, you know, being able to, to put all, food on the table and pay all of your bills every month. Most people can't do that without two incomes. Um, so, so where do we go with that? You know, I would love to be able to get back to the point where mothers could choose to stay home with their children if they wanted. Right now, I feel like most people don't have that choice. And I love being home with my kids. But for a long time, I felt like, you know, I didn't have that choice until Mick, you know, until we're in the position that we're in now. But so many parents struggle with that. They want what's best for their kids. And... You don't know if it's, you know, the, the monetary that's best for them or being home with them and teaching them what the world really is and what you want them to know. Is that really best for them? Do you, do you sacrifice giving them healthy food for giving them a good education because you can't afford to do both? So what, what do you do with that? Where do you go from there? Well, for me, the mask, you know, we've seen the data from frontline doctors who I believe have the most data vast in the whole country with Dr. Simone Gold, she heads that up. And she said, you know, the COVID virus is the size one ten thousandth of a hair follicle. So when you wear one of those masks, if it's not an N95, it's a normal mask. It's like taking sand and throwing it through a chain link fence. It does not prevent COVID transmission at all. It might prevent pathogens or dust or something like that, but not COVID. And so that's insane to me to wear a mask that doesn't work just because you want to wear a mask. But if people want to wear a mask, 
that's fine. But we have to take into consideration children and their developing brains, like you said, not getting oxygen, but socialization too. We're already on our phones so much. We don't say, hey, we don't talk, we don't communicate. You don't, you people are walking with on their phone, not even looking up. And now we've added a layer of mass to it. I mean, our society is being divided more and more. And like you said a while ago, they want to divide us. Absolutely. They're dividing us with masks. They're dividing us with vaccines. They're dividing us red and blue and Republican, Democrat. Any way they can divide us, they're dividing us. And the people have to say, enough. I respect your choice. And we're going to support each other and our freedom. You just don't give up your freedom flippantly. You have to protect your freedom at all costs. Whether you agree with the issue or not, you support each other and remain in a free nation. I, I agree with that. Um, so with that, because you brought up a really good point there, because you brought up the red and blue thing. Uh, I've got to know, and I think most Georgians want to know, your support for Marjorie Taylor Greene, where, where does that lie at? I, I'm just asking. I don't know. I have no idea about any of this. I'm asking you because I'm just wondering. And honestly, right now with her stature, in Mick thinks she's crazy, and I love her. So we are a house divided. When it comes to her, I, I it's not that I think she's crazy. I just think yeah, that, you totally do. You think she's batshit crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there is a little <laughs> bit of that. And yeah, don't and judge I, us, I please, because we cuss. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love Marjorie. Marjorie is a friend of mine. We campaigned several times together last year when I was running for U.S. Senate. I sat down a week ago, two seats from her at the Trump rally. She is a wonderful person, beautiful inside and out. She loves Jesus. She is outspoken. She is a fighter. And, you know, as a woman, you have to you have to be loud because if not, you get you know lost in the mix. And then when women are loud and they speak their mind, they're looked at like, why are you loud? You're not supposed to have a voice. Sit down and shut up. So, <laughs> so she's been, she's been, you know, she's been targeted a lot. She's been treated terribly. Marjorie loves the Lord and she loves our country. She truly does. She's a patriot. And does she do everything perfect? No. If she did, then she wouldn't be human. Okay. She's not going to get everything perfect. And people that act like she is doing everything perfect, they're, they're obsessed and, and you know you have those followers that's like a little groupie that goes around with you but is she the best one in congress we have absolutely hands down the best in georgia and probably the best in the country and that's a fact she's not perfect but she's the best we have and i'm so thankful she's willing to sacrifice from her family and go and serve georgia well it, with your backing on that and I, I got to be honest, I trust you 100%. And the fact that you know her, I now I've got to really shut my mouth, sit in the corner and color. See? So I'm going to sit there and be quiet. If you would talk to her, like if you ever get a chance to talk to her, you will see she's very level-headed. She's very calm, cool, and collected. She's not obnoxious, forceful. In fact, I was running for Senate, and I'll share this. I've never shared this publicly, but she, um, I was running for Senate and I wasn't raising a lot of money because I didn't have name recognition. And there were 21 on the ballot. There were six Republicans. And she was like, you know, Candace, you have to run again. Like I said, well, I'm trying to win now. I've been to all 159 counties. And she said, I know. And you have the heart that needs to be in government, but you have to raise money. And she was just, she, she's like, I'll pray for you. Yeah, God wants you to run. We had this whole like 20 minute conversation 
And she sat there and just spoke into my life and poured into me. I was crying. You know, she hugged me, told me she loved me. Like she is a good person, just normal, comforting, just like a girlfriend, just good, a good person. And so I think, you know, you may not see that side of her because she's fighting for us, but she really, truly is a good friend. So when it comes to I, I love it when I'm right. So thank you for that, Candace. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, I, hold on. I have another question. Okay. Um, and, and I'm assuming you're going down the same route with the vaccine mandates as with the mask mandates. Absolutely. I am. That is, that's my hill to die on. Mick goes more the political route. He did 21 years in the service. He was military intelligence and special forces and all that shebang and you know I got to stay home and raise the kids and um, I'm actually allergic to vaccines as are my children so they never had any anyway and I wasn't about to start with this one but as I was doing research um, you know I found out more and more that was just very very disturbing so I can't even encourage people to go talk to their doctors because I think at this point I've probably done more research than most of their doctors have uh, so I just flat out tell them look you you want to see the real research, here it is. Go look at my Telegram page, you'll see it all. Go listen to our COVAX specials, you'll hear it all. Just don't get the shot. Just wait. Wait and see. If you ever want to have kids, don't get the shot. If you want your kids to have kids, don't get the shot. Um, so, and given the fact that we met in Tampa, I'm, I'm assuming we're right on the, the, the same line with that. But I have a completely different question here. So, there was some drama right around the election where Brian Kemp's daughter's boyfriend was killed in an explosion right by where we live. It was actually like a mile from my parents' house. They could hear it. I mean, it was huge. Like a bomb went off. and An explosion. Yeah, it really was a bomb went off. We found out from some friends of ours that uh, it they, there was explosive found. Um, so, you know, obviously, I mean, you just... You follow the money trail, and it leads right back to Brian Kemp's been compromised, and they were trying to keep him in line, because, you know, by by doing this to uh, that poor man. You know, I mean, that was just it was it was horrible, and they have no respect for human life. But at the same time, we live here in Chatham County, and the the Savannah Port is one of now it, it's I the think second it, biggest on the east coast yeah it's the second biggest on the east coast it is a driver of our economy here in savannah uh really in all of georgia it is a huge driver of the economy we we bring in so many so many goods we've had more we had the biggest ship to ever come um down the east coast just like six weeks or so ago it was huge yeah the cmg uh Biking yeah. or whatever it was. Whatever it yeah. was. It was gigantic. And that was all, you know, Chinese imports coming onto our shores. So there's a delicate balance there. How do you deal with China? Because, you know, I was not a big fan of Brian Kemp going on Chinese television and doing commercials in Chinese. But at the same time, Savannah's economy is doing pretty well. And especially with COVID shutting down the most of our tourism business, it's really the only thing that's kept us up and running at all. So how do you balance that? How do you balance that relationship with China? Because I think as governor of Georgia, you'll probably end up having to have to deal with China more than any other politician unless China's trying to, you know, buy them off. So, Well, I mean, I have concerns about Governor Kent meeting with the Chinese consulate four times. 
And then I think, you know, some 10 days later, he, he signed Dominion or they signed Dominion, whoever did that, and found out that that consulate was like a Chinese spy and all those issues that came out from the guy from Texas. He had them in our governor's mansion. It's concerning to me. You know, our federal government's purpose is to deal with foreign relations. Like that's why we have a that's why we have a federal government. It's not to tell the states what to do, which is what they're doing. It is to handle foreign relations, you know, and to keep us all united, but not overreaching to the state laws and and what we do is they should never do that. And so I think for me as a governor, I want to see us totally protect the Constitution. And 100% respect and honor that and do the will of the people in Georgia. You know, they bring up income tax, they bring up the prison reform, all these things that, that are affecting Georgia that might not be affecting other states should be our focus. And of course, we're going to have imports, and we're going to have trade. But China makes a lot of money off of us. And I don't know because they hide so much stuff. I've tried to dig into this in Georgia and see how much we're making off of them versus how much they're making off of us. That would be very interesting to see those raw numbers because I have a feeling they're making more off of us than we are of them. And with President Trump putting all the regulations on China and getting it more balanced, but then all the meetings with Kent with China and then what happened in the election, it just makes you wonder. It makes you ask questions. And like you said, you follow the money. It makes you think, hmm, was he going behind Trump's back? Did they make backroom deals for China and was making more money, but it actually helped pad his personal pocketbook. Like what? And I'm not saying that happened. I'm saying it makes you ask those questions. So I'm not going to do anything that endangers the economy of Georgia in a negative way, but I'm also not going to let us be abused and mistreated and small businesses not thrive in Georgia because China is shipping everything over here and we're not producing anything in our state and we're not able to be self-sufficient. You know, Georgia has one of the strongest economies in the United States of America and we do not need to be dependent on anyone else. We're self-sustaining. We have a unique economy where we have, you know, farming, agriculture is our biggest business. So we can feed ourselves. We feed the world, actually. But we can sustain ourselves. And then we have the aeronautics with the airplanes. It's our number one manufacturing business. And then we have all these small businesses, Delta, Coca-Cola, like Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's. Think about the restaurants that originated in Georgia that are chains and franchises. Georgia is very blessed. We have been a very blessed state. And I think, you know, we have high favor from God. And I just, I hate to see the state where I've grown up and lived all of my life be a sellout. And in 2002, Georgia implemented electronic voting. We were the first state to do that. And other people followed suit. And I'm embarrassed that we're the first one that pioneered that. That's not a good thing because we've had issues with voting ever since then. So ultimately, it could be most of our seats or even all of them that wasn't actually who we voted for. Maybe they were hand cherry picked, every one of them. I don't know. And somebody said, well, what about you're saying that, but there's Democrat seats too. I said, absolutely, because the establishment is the establishment. And if you think they're against each other, they're not. They play games and go back and forth with each other. It's all about themselves and their money and their power. It's not about us. And it's not about a party when they get up there. So I just, I want to see us protect our state and yes, protect our economy and have our economy thrive. And yeah, we want to have imports and exports at our ports. We have two beautiful ports in Brunswick and Savannah that need to be utilized and need to be 
a, a place where we, you know, see what's going on and say, okay, this is working. This isn't. We're losing money here. We're making money here. They're making a lot of money off of us here and have those evaluated. But right now, I don't trust the leaders in place that they're doing what's best for us. I just don't. So with that, uh, again, you brought up the ports. You brought up. Well, well, first of all, I want everybody else to that's not in Georgia right now. Everybody else that listens to us that's not in Georgia. I just want you to be jealous of this woman because this is what I have to look forward to, to be my governor, and I can't wait. Um, that's a personal opinion, of course. But because I've, I've heard her talk before, she this is not the first time she's ever said these things. I can tell you, I can assure everyone right now of that. She said it in Tampa, and I heard it firsthand. I was like, you know, she caught me. She caught my attention with her website, but then when she spoke in front of me in Tampa, I was like, holy crap. I actually made my way up to meet her because I was like, hey, i got to talk to this woman. But anyway, uh, one of the things you brought up about the with the ports and whatnot, another big thing that a lot of Georgians, I can tell you right now, a lot of, especially me, uh, being that I am former law enforcement, I got a lot of friends that are former law enforcement. Other than dealing with the cops and being, uh, you know, better than what I think Kemp's done with the police officers, uh, A, what are you going to do about the police? And then second, child trafficking. That's my next one because we do have two huge ports. We are a main main thoroughfare for Florida and for South Carolina uh, on 95. We have transportation going both directions. Uh, what are you going to do to battle child trafficking? And how are you going to support the police? Uh, I'm sure you're a backer of the blue. I'm sure you're not the opposite of that. I'm sure you're not defunding the police. I'm sure you're about funding the police. But at the same time, what are we going to do to enforce our laws, especially when it comes to our borders and dealing with child trafficking, both at the ports and through 95 and thoroughfares coming through Georgia? So a GBI agent helped raise me. I grew up in law enforcement household and I worked at the sheriff's office when I was a senior in high school. Now I'm the safety coordinator for my district. So I deal with our, our deputies that are at our schools every single day. I was doing a safety drill with one this afternoon that we called. I love our police. Our country is a law and order nation, and we have to have them to keep our civilization and, and keep protection like we have it. I know that there are bad apples in every bunch. There's bad teachers that don't do their job and are lazy. It happens. I mean, that's just you're going to have a bad apple. But as a whole, our law enforcement officers, they work for way less than they deserve to risk their life every day. They work long hours and they will take a bullet for anybody. And so we have to honor them and protect them. And as a child, I remember being five years old and in a beauty pageant and they asked me what I wanted to be. And I want to be a police woman when I grew up. And it's because we had so much honor and respect for them as law enforcement officers. We looked at them like, oh, there's a policeman. But they were really important, like a firefighter. And somewhere along the way, that shifted, just like standing up for the flag, shifted. So we have to get back to America and our freedom and what we value as a country and as a people. And all these leftists and irrational thinking and not honoring our country, if they don't want to live in America, they need to move somewhere else. But our country as a whole has to get back to honor and respect that we had for generations that's recently shifted we got to stop that. It's completely insane. And that's why we're losing police officers and they're leaving because, you know, I've asked them, I'm like, well, y'all don't, y'all are underpaid. Y'all don't need more money. And I'm telling you, 
90 something percent. I mean, really, I've only had three that said, yeah, you're right. We need more money to make us stay. Everybody else says, you know, I love my job and sure, I'm like make more money, but it isn't about the money for me. It's about protecting human life. And I care about people. But when I'm treated with disrespect and, you know, nobody cares about us and they want to cut our pay and they want to fire us, it makes me just want to quit because why am I risking my life? So when you're passionate about something, you don't care if you're paid, you do it because you care. But when people start, you know, putting off on you and, and trying to, you know, cut you, cut your job, cut your wages. I mean, it makes you want to give up. And so we have to protect them at all costs. And I have a quick solution to the human sex trafficking issue. I've worked in sex trafficking my entire career. I've worked with abused children. Um, I had a kid that was trafficked one time that I, that I helped save. Atlanta is the biggest, if not in the top two biggest locations for child sex trafficking. And, you know, Governor Kent's wife, Marty, that's her big agenda to stop it. Well, stop it. It's the numbers aren't going down. Why haven't you stopped it? Because I can tell you what'll stop it. Quick and fast consequences. If that is you don't stay on death row and you're executed swiftly, whatever that is, quick and fast, and they won't come to Georgia and do this anymore. They know they're going to get away with it. They know there's no accountability. This is the worst crime against humanity is human sex trafficking. It's a huge business. It is disgusting. It is totally immoral. It grieves the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you do things to children, you do them to him. And it is totally, it's repulsive. And if we cannot, as a state and as a nation, stand up and say, this is totally unacceptable, we're not allowing it in America, then I don't know what we're fighting for freedom for. I don't know why we're fighting for a constitution because we have totally lost our humanity. This has to stop, period. We shouldn't even have to have these conversations to advocate and push for it. Our legislators should stop it. I, I completely agree. Couldn't agree more. And on top of that, uh, just in, in going with that, that theme, we're a big military state. You've got, what, three, three different military bases here in the state of Georgia. Benning, uh, four, Hunter, four actually, because you got one up in uh, Atlanta. Um, it's uh, it's the CID headquarters. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But anyway, you got four big military bases. Plus, on the Army side, you've got an Air Force base uh, because the one that we go up to every year for the uh, um, what you call Robbins robotics yep. for our oldest son. He goes up there for the robotics competition. Uh, Warner Robbins, a uh, big Air Force base up there. Uh, you, you got a lot of military bases. Plus, you got the naval in, base in, in Brunswick. With the military doing all this woke crap, uh, what is? How are? You, how do you? How are you going to deal with that? How are you going to deal with that? Because uh, I, I can't believe that. Uh, with everything you've said tonight, that you're going to just stand by silently and let that just happen in your state, like it's happening in Virginia, like it's happening uh, all the way across. I mean, pretty much all the way across the United States right now. I, I can't believe that you're going to sit there and keep quiet. Yeah, I don't think that our military is woke. I think the media is playing us. There are some woke people, I'm sure, because they've been brainwashed or maybe they've had an abusive life and they hate life and they're miserable and they want to destroy America. I don't know. But the majority of our military are patriots that love our country, that are willing to put their life on the line and die for us. 
to work and have freedom and run a small business and have American dream and raise our family. And they're wonderful people. And I don't believe the narrative that the media is portraying. And I believe what President Trump said like a week ago when he talked about, you know, there's a few woke generals and a few woke leaders in the military, but for the majority of the military, they are very conservative patriots that love America, wonderful men and women fighting for us and fighting for our country. And, you know, I've met quite a few of them as I've campaigned this time while I've been running for governor and they are working as hard as they can to do rallies and to bring awareness and to try to fight back and push back on mandates and, and for an audit. And they are so frustrated. And I hear this time and time again, them saying, you know, I went and fought in Afghanistan. I went and fought in Iraq. I went and, and I, and I sacrificed for my family and I've done all these things. And now the people are throwing my country away that I have risked my life for. Why are people doing this? And their frustration is in they've, you know, they're veterans now and have and have risked everything for the country and so quickly it could all crumble to the ground and it's not have a nation anymore. And they are upset. And there's a pile of them, I'm telling you, I've heard it over and over. And that's sad. That's sad that we would just be lazy or that we would just be so busy with life and distracted that we don't stand up and push back and unite together because we're stronger together. And when we're all together saying we're getting an audit, we're pushing back on vaccine passports, we're pushing back on mass mandates, we're not having this, you're not going to tell us what to do, we're not giving our freedom up. And when we start pushing back together, they can't deny us. But when we're so busy and we're flippant and, and you know, lays off fair, whatever, they get away with it. And so it's sad that these soldiers and these people, officers that are back and retired, felt they have to fight harder now because the people won't wake up and unite together. So in, with with that in mind, Afghanistan, uh, you've seen these other states. I heard even Kemp came out and said that. He's going to let so many Afghanis into the state of Georgia without any background checks, without any, you know, due, due diligence on our side, making sure that these people that we're letting into the state of Georgia are clean, clear, you know, the whole bit. They want to be Americans. They're not Taliban terrorists, terrorists yes. that are here to blow us up. Yeah. So with that, what is what's something that you think that would we could still facilitate that? Because I'm sorry, there are great Afghanis out there. I've worked with them. I've worked with a ton of them. I spent more time over there. I should have an Afghan passport. I don't, but I should. But what is something that we can do on our part to ensure, like, for instance, at your level, if you become governor, what is something that you're going to do on your part to ensure that these people coming to the United States are cleared and should be here in the U.S. and they're not terrorists? Well, I mean, you probably may not agree with me, but this is how I feel about it. We don't go fight a war in Germany, or let's go to Japan, Japan and Hiroshima. We don't go and fight them and then bring them to America. You just don't do that. You just don't. And could we help have moved them, snuck them out and got them to have a place that was safe, maybe in another country or somewhere near where they lived? something strategic so that they were not flying across the country to a whole new country and infiltrating here, which is why we're there because we were attacked by them. It makes no sense to me. Do I think there are good people? I believe there's good in everybody. God doesn't make mistakes, but I just know the mindset 
and they were paid to do a job, paid very well to do a job by Americans. And just because we paid you to do a job doesn't mean you become American. And we can't take care of Georgia right now. Georgia is in this weird place. I've never seen our state the way it is right now. Totally divided, totally up in arms. We can't get any resolution from any of our senators or House members to get an audit. We can't, you know, get our elections fair and legal. But yet we have open borders at the South and people coming here and being planted here without our permission. Now we've got Afghans coming over here. And we can't take care of ourselves. So I would not allow any of it. <laughs> I just wouldn't. We have homeless. I, I'm, a, I'm a homeless liaison for my district. And I'm in a southern small town. And we have a pile of homeless. So there's homeless kids everywhere. There's kids that are in households with 12, 15 kids. The, the young children crawl on the ground or eating dog food and cat feces because they have no food. Um they are, they find them in, in soiled diapers with total rash and infection because they haven't been changed in weeks. Mama's gone off on meth and the children have been at home four, five, two, six month old. We have so many problems right here in Georgia. We can't take care of our own people. How in the world can we bring in all these other people to try to take care of them? I just... I'm not trying to be heartless. You know, if there's a family that's wealthy that wants to welcome one into their house or a family into their house and help sponsor them until they can get on their feet and get back to their country or, or file for paperwork the legal way, I'm good with that. I'm not saying to go against your Christian beliefs. And if you feel led to open your home, you feel led to financially support somebody, I'm all for that. I think the church should take care of people and not the government. So I'm good with that. But just to say, oh, we're dropping them off. Well, where are they going to live? There's no rental property now. Where, where are you going to live? What are you going to do? There are going to be more homeless people. I mean, to me, it makes no sense. They're not thinking. They're thinking about let's put a band aid on a situation that now has blown up into a bullet hole. And I, I do not disagree with you at all. Actually, uh, believe it or not. <clears throat> We're on the same sheet of music because that was kind of my take on it. There are a handful, I would say, that I know of a handful. That I would say, hey, you know what? Yeah, they can come to the States. But for the majority, we'll facilitate you getting out of Afghanistan and going <clears throat> get away from the Taliban. However, um, coming to the U.S., no. If you haven't, like, done something that those are the ones that the ones I'm talking about. Those are the ones I'm saying bring over here. But the rest, eh, I, I question it. Well, you, you also brought up the border, Candace, and that's, I think, really, you know, it used to only affect Texas and California and maybe Florida a little bit, but now it affects all of us because they're just, you know, giving them $2,500 in a manila envelope and they don't need an ID or a mask to get, or a COVID test to get on a plane and come anywhere in the United States that they want. And I know they're coming here to Georgia. And, and to be quite honest, I am really torn about that because I know a lot of immigrants. I know a lot of illegal immigrants. I work in hospitality. And there are a lot of jobs that Americans honestly just don't want to do. It is really hard to clean 12, 15 hotel rooms a day. People are gross, by the way, especially when they stay in hotels. So, um, you know, I mean, they, they leave a big mess behind. And COVID protocols are really strict. It, it can be a 12, 15-hour heavy work day, and Americans just don't want to do it. 
especially not for 12 or $13 an hour. You know, you, you now have immigrants coming in and with the, it used to be, you know, you had to pass E-Verify. Now that, that doesn't even matter anymore. I think that's either been suspended or they just don't care anymore. But there were always ways around it. You have these temp agencies that have these visas that are just literally blank visas and people come in and they just fill them out and they put eight people in a small apartment with mattresses and they come in and they clean the hotel every day. And at least I have people to clean my hotel. They don't speak English. They're making 12 bucks an hour. They're sending it all back home to their families. They're not paying taxes. They're not legal here in the first place. But Americans don't want to do that work. Um, that's that's really a, that, that kind of puts me in between a rock and a hard place. And I have to say here in Savannah, our mayor knows nothing about business, doesn't know how to run a business, doesn't understand how business runs. In fact, our city council went to the governor, uh, the current governor, Mr. Kemp, and said that they thought there were too many tourists, specifically white tourists in Savannah, and they wanted to try and get rid of the tourists coming to Savannah because there was just too much, too many white tourists around here spending too much white money. Um, and again, race is one That's of not racist things. at all. No, not at all. But, you know, that's, again, race is one of those things that they use to divide us. But it's it's a really sticky situation, as as everything is. How do you balance that? Well, it's the same thing with the farming community and the agriculture, because I hear about that with farmers. You know, other people besides hardworking immigrants don't want to do those jobs. And they value the job and they value the work and the money they're getting paid because in their country, they could never make even half that amount of money. And so there's jobs that literally nobody else will do. But I guess I just think back to before we were pouring out so much governmental money, which let's say what that is. It's our taxpayer money that we don't ask. They're not asking my permission to take out of my check and to redistribute it. And I don't mind paying my part to have a functional constitution, but I do mind them taking my money and redistributing it however they see fit. And because they've done that for so long, they've created apathy and laziness in Americans who were very hard workers and came from hard workers. My family, my grandparents on both sides grew up, they were very poor. And my parents, you know, did better for themselves. But my grandparents never took welfare, but they were very, very poor. They, one was a seamstress, one was a beekeeper. You know, he made his, the, the guy that he worked for millions of dollars, but he didn't even make minimum wage. And so I know, I know what it's like to come from a family who worked really hard and then they ended up making better for themselves. And that's kind of how America works. But just taking money off the government and leaving a status quo, they're not happy doing that either. They're miserable and they don't have a purpose. So I guess part of me is like, we have to pull back on this governmental spending and people will probably work and do more than what they're doing because they have to, the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you have to work. I work really hard, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week, every week. And then I campaign and then I do working on the audit. So you know, I feel I'm not scared of hard work and I don't have any empathy for people who don't want to work hard. I just don't. And I understand what you're saying because I've heard it from the farmers. But and I'm, you know, I'm not about let's just ship everybody back. No, we are. We, America is a society of immigrants. And I think that our our, our um, legal way to get 
uh, visa and to get citizenship is way too complicated. I think it needs to be simplified a lot, but there is a legal way to come. And when you break the law, you shouldn't be allowed to stay and you shouldn't be allowed to just come over and be given $2,500 and shipped to a state. That's not okay with me. There's a legal way to come and I want people to be able to come in a legal way, but not this way. This is out of control and it's destroying our society. I agree. My mama taught me a long time ago, begin as you mean to proceed. And if you begin your life in a new country, breaking the law, then how are you going to proceed from there? So I That's a good point. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, coming from a family of immigrants, I can tell you right now that, I mean, my father's first generation American. So, uh, As is my mother. So I can tell you right now that, you know, I, you're not going to find anybody that works any harder than I do. Uh, so you've been all over. I know we saw you on, uh, we saw you on that Red State News article that kind of, I was like, wow, she didn't get a chance to speak at a function she went to. I was like, that's kind of jacked up because they were waiting on the governor and only the governor was allowed to speak and you weren't allowed to. I was like, that's really BS. So that's why we brought you on here tonight. Uh, what else do you want to tell the people of Georgia? I mean, what what do you think the people of Georgia want to hear from Candace Taylor or Dr. Sorry, Dr. Candace Taylor? Now you just call me Candace. I, I don't know. I mean, I have, we'll say, we'll say, is she a medical doctor? So let me say, I have a PhD in counseling. And when I got my PhD, I got it from Regent University, which is Pat Robertson's university. It's a Christian university. And when I got my PhD and I walked for my graduation, Dr. Ben Carson was the commencement speaker. And Dr. Carson talked a lot about the government and he talked a lot about, you know, political correctness and the financial debt and the responsibility we have as Americans to serve and to run and not just give it over to lawyers and career politicians who don't care about us. And I really that day felt the Holy Spirit and felt a calling that I would run one day. And this was nine years ago. So I knew that I would run eventually. And my, my pathway for politics kind of started that day when I got my PhD and Ben Carson spoke. And I've met him four times. He's a wonderful man and, you know, a true patriot. And he was treated horribly, too, by his own race and by everyone. And I truly have not met anybody that I would say is a better Christian and patriot than Dr. Ben Carson. So anyway, that's a little backstory about why I decided to run. I also, you know, people know, like I say, I'm going to protect Jesus, guns and babies. And I think that originated from my heart of conservative values that we want to worship Jesus. That's why we have a nation. We have a country because our founding fathers wanted to be free to worship Christ and not controlled by Catholicism. That's why we have America. And then, of course, we're going to protect our Second Amendment right. It's the Second Amendment. It says thou shall not be infringed on, but you Yet we have all these rules and restrictions and it's not about hunting. You know, if it, oh, we want to hunt. Okay. I know you like to hunt. It's about protecting us from a tyrannical government. And I just told you that our leaders who are not even supposed to be leaders, especially public servants, they think that they are rulers and dictators and tyrants. So that is why the Second Amendment is there is to protect us from martial law and from a government that wants to overtake our country and not and not let us be free. And then, of course, babies, because life is so important. And for the, the conservative, the conservative Americans, we want to protect life. Our population is not growing as it should because we have so many abortions. It is a travesty. I, I, it's disgusting. It makes me sick to my stomach. And people say, well, you got to have a pathway for adoption. So many kids are up for adoption. 
No, they're not. There's not a bunch of kids up for adoption. It's so hard to adopt. I have so many friends that have infertility problems. They have to pay $30,000 to adopt an American child. It, it takes forever. It's very complicated. Um, every baby that could be born in this country would have a home. There would be no problem, no problem with that whatsoever. We're, they're paying $30,000, $50,000 to get them from China and from you know, other countries, Somalia, wherever to have a baby because they want to, they want to have a child. So our core values, you know, in Jesus guns and babies is kind of my slogan. And then when I decided to run for governor, I wasn't going to run for governor. I was going to run for my house seat. And I had a dream about, I was speaking to like 500 people. And in my dream, I was saying Hollywood's not going to come into Georgia and tell us we got to have grown men and beards in our little girls' bathrooms. And they're not going to come in here and they're going not going to tell us we can't sign a heartbeat bill. And China's not going to come over here and control our elections. Hollywood can go back to California and China can stay in China. We're going to put morality over money every single time. And I woke up thinking about morality over money, morality over money, and God just wouldn't let me go about it. And then as I'm reading all the corruption and things in the news about Georgia, and I just thought, you know, we have got to get somebody in there who cares about the morality of our people. Within the Bible Belt, we are conservative. I believe Georgia 75 to 80 percent conservative. Even people that vote Democrat, there are conservatives that vote Democrat, but they've just always been Democrat. And well, they say they're a Democrat, but they actually vote for conservatives, but they just say I'm a Democrat. But in reality, they voted for President Trump. I believe that with all of my heart that Georgia is 75 to 80 percent conservative. I see it as I've traveled the state. And we've been played to think that we're 50-50 and we're blue, we're purple, and we might turn blue. They want us to believe that, so we're scared to vote for somebody else. So we keep voting for the person with the name recognition and the celebrity status, and we're scared to take a chance on someone else. They use it to play us. But it's not true. It's not true at all. And that's why I know the voting has gotten so far out of hand. They have done it for a really long time, but they got caught this time because they were so blatant about it. And they took it too far. You know how you might sin a little bit and a little bit, and then you do something really stupid and you get caught and then you're in prison for 20 years. It's kind of like that. That's what they did. And I, again, I, you couldn't be more dead on if I had said it myself. And that is uh, a very well, very well put way to put it. And one of the things you brought up too, and I forgot to ask you about this, is obviously you are pro Second Amendment. Um, and that is near and dear to my heart because I own a lot of guns. Hey, no, 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 you don't, babe. Remember we had that boating accident. They all fell over. Well, there was, there was yeah. some guns that disappeared. But either way, with the Second Amendment, uh, if that comes down the pike, I mean, because, I mean, everything that Biden's told us, even if he is truly our president or not, is immaterial. Um, but the point being is that if that comes down the pike, I mean, you, I'm guessing – from what you just said, you're going to support us, the, those with the Second Amendment, those that back the Second Amendment, those that believe in the Second Amendment. I, From everything you just said right now, I'm pretty sure you're going to back us. And make yeah, I, ha I have a carrying permit. I shouldn't have to have one. You know, constitutional carry was promised by the governor. It hasn't happened. It should happen immediately. We should even have to have constitutional carry because the Constitution says we have the right to bear arms and it shall not be infringed on. But absolutely, we should have that. We should be able to, and I carry my pistol everywhere I go, except for when I'm at work and can't have it. And I do that to protect my family. 
to protect my children because of human sex trafficking being so vast in Georgia and because I'm a woman and, you know, men physically are stronger than women. And, you know, you just have to be, I have the right to protect my family and everybody does. And so I should not have to go get a carrying permit to carry my pistol. I've never shot anybody. I hope I never have to, but if it comes down between my child being abducted or me being raped, I have a pistol to protect myself. And that is my right as an American. And I just, it makes me very angry for people to promise things when they're running for a campaign and not do anything to make it happen. So if, if Governor Kemp had actually tried to make that get passed, he had signed an executive order, he had you know publicly came out and said, I'm really going to push the senators and the House members this week. I promised you this as I was running. I'd have more respect for him. But it's been nothing. He promised a two-way community this and promised NRA and did all this to get endorsements and hasn't followed through with it. And I'm really big on my word. And, you know, men have this gentleman thing where it's like, I gave you my word. But for me, when you swear an oath of office, you're swearing to God to do something, you do it at all cost. And our elected officials all swear an oath to the Constitution and they're not upholding it. They're not doing the will of the people. We have the right to alter, abolish our government if we get to get get ready to. In fact, we could say all elected officials in Georgia, we don't believe that you got elected because the system's been rigged for years. We're replacing every one of you with a new election. So if y'all want to run for a seat, run for it. We could do that. That's our right as Americans. And they swore that they agreed that that was our right. So I just, I have an issue right now with how they are acting like tyrants and kings. There's no king in America, but Jesus Christ. He's the only king here. Everybody else that is in office is a public servant to the people. And I've got no issues whatsoever with that. Uh, we've held you up for long enough tonight. Well, hold on. I have one more question from one of our listeners. So, and it's funny that you mentioned the whole tyrants and kings oh. things, because that was actually one of the questions um, from our telegram was, uh, you know, what, what did you think about politicians being tyrants and kings? And um, actually, I have a, a quick comment here, uh, rewinding a bit. So so Mick is a Catholic. I'm a pretend a Catholic. But, you know, we uh, we like to say that. Don't worry, I'm still voting for you. This, this country was founded on the premise of freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And at the same time, I think that the Catholic Church is kind of like a, it's a reflection of, of our own political theater here in the country you know the the pope sucks um he's horrible terrible i i he's he could very well be the antichrist or the devil incarnate at this point to be quite honest um but that is not a, a reflection of the communities in the same way that while that our, our overlords in dc um are they they suck almost as bad as the pope um, except they remember less, so uh, or you know the one anyway. Um, but that's not a reflection on our communities because I think there are so many pa patriots at the community level that just don't know what to do. They don't know how to get involved. They don't know how to stand up, and they've been driven by fear porn on the media for so long that they just they they're over it. They just want to stick their head in the sand and pretend like everything is still okay. Um, and I'll say, I'm talking about the Catholic Church in England that they fled from, which is totally different than the Catholic churches here. And there may be some that have more similarities than others, but I've been to Catholic churches in America. I have a lot of friends that practice Catholicism, and it's not the same. 
And so the tyrancy that they were experiencing when they came to America to found our country, it was totally different. And they had no freedom to read the Bible for themselves. They couldn't pray to Jesus themselves. They had to go through Mary with every single thing. They had no relationship with Christ. And they wanted to move to America to be free. And that's why we have America. So it's not, I'm not talking about our churches here because like I said, it's not the same. I'm talking about when they fled England. So I have family. I actually, my cousin lives in New York and we went to Bermuda and she had a whole Catholic ceremony and it was one of the prettiest weddings I've ever been to. It was, I felt the Holy Spirit. It was beautiful. So. I mean, the, the traditions, you know, thousands of years of tradition go, go a long way towards making you feel like you're part of a, something greater than yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Something else you said about uh, about adoption, the adoption process. I've been railing about this for a long time. It's been, unfortunately, not at my priority because it's been eclipsed by, you know, the, the gab and all that. But um, it is almost impossible to adopt an American child. You know, they they are pushed into the foster care system, which is then just a conduit right into child sex trafficking. And that's something that really needs to be addressed. Foster care system. You know, I know people that work in the system are most of them go in very well-meaning. They want to help kids and they come out disenchanted, overwhelmed, overworked, underpaid, and they just, they stop seeing what's going on right in front of their faces because they're just so overwhelmed by how little they could do to really make well, a difference. They're burnout. They, they yes, get burnout. They, they do get burnout. So, uh, but the, the, the last question that one of our listeners had, this is from uh, BG. He said, um, why are you, Spooning with the teachers' union. So I know that you are obviously an educator, and uh, the teachers' unions, just like all the other unions in this country, you know, they're they're really the ones pushing at this point not to go back to school, to have a mask mandate. They it, it feels like they've stopped caring about our kids if they ever did in the first place. So, do you feel like you're torn between? being an educator and, you know, how, how are you going to, to deal with that? Are, are you going to fight against the teachers unions? Are, are you going to work with them? How are you going to? Yeah, I think that comment was on my telegram too. I think he must be supporting Vernon or, or Brian. I don't know which one he's supporting or maybe he's a Democrat, but there's no teacher unions in Georgia. We don't have teacher unions. Thank the Lord. So I've never had to deal with a teacher union. We that's totally not existent in Georgia. And I don't have there are lobbyists that I can't stand. There are these teacher organizations that give us insurance that, you know, if you're a member of it, then you get like a million dollar insurance if you get sued. And that's not a union. They have no say if we work or we don't. You've never seen Georgia teachers strike because we work for the government and we would lose our job. We don't have a union to protect us. So that's just someone ignorant, doesn't know Georgia and doesn't understand education. But as far as education goes, the governor's budget is 60% education. It's, it's a huge part of the governor's budget, the, the majority of it. And as a public school educator, I know what to cut that would give the teachers autonomy to teach and stop having to teach to a test and making the school miserable. And I know how to handle CRT, critical race theory, like that. It's not a, it's not an issue. All you have to do is get the Professional Standards Commission, the PSC. They give us our certificate, and you tell them if there's a report of a teacher brainwashing children with race, it says any of these premises, they lose their certificate for 90 days. It's a 90-day 90 90 suspension. You hit people in their pocketbook, they'll shut their mouth. They'll quit brainwashing children. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. It's easy solutions 
There are too many people at the top in education, especially at the State Department, and all these high-paid jobs that need to dissolve. So I want teachers to use their degrees. They're the most educated people on the planet. I want them to use their degree, use their passion, why they went into education, and teach. Teach to the top. Let the kids in the middle rise to the top remediate the bottom and get them up where they can function, take care of our special needs population, which we do a beautiful job of in Georgia, in my opinion, for the most part. And we need to move forward in, in education in a positive way where we're teaching our kids beyond to think for themselves and not just teaching them to check a box and get a right answer on an average level. And we've got to move away from some of the testing mandates that we have. It's a waste of money, millions and millions of dollars a year wasted that we don't have to spend and it puts stress on the students and stress on the parents and stress on the educators that's absolutely unnecessary. So there's so many ways we can cut, but the teachers will be, thank you. That's what I want to see. They have an evaluation system that's so over the top, ridiculous, I don't need. The principals should be in the classrooms every day. They should know what goes on. If they have a bad apple that we talked about earlier, you handle that person. You don't address everybody on the faculty because one person wants to show her uh, cleavage every day or show her behind because she's wearing something too short or sitting behind her desk on her phone texting all day and isn't teaching you deal with that one individually and you don't have to have this real strategic uh, controlling evaluation system to get it done so I just know what is within education without lobbyists and special interests telling me and forcing it down my throat making me feel like I have to spend millions of dollars on this program and that program we don't need it we need to cut that. We need to cut that mess. All they're doing is padding the pocketbooks of these big lobbyists and special interest groups and controlling the teachers with script, scripted lessons and curriculums they have to use. So I can handle education. Like that's one thing I got. So they can ask me that anytime they want to. I got you. And I, I love your answer. And I love the fact that dealing, I mean, because we, we always do this. This is how we, this, this is how we do our show. We, there's nothing scripted about it. We Everything that you hear, this is the way we talk to you in real life. We talk to you like this down in Tampa. Um, one of the things that you just brought up, and it, it's something that uh, has been on my mind for a while. One of the big things, especially around here in Savannah, Chatham County area, uh, we do a lot with movies. We do a lot with the movies. The movie industry in Chatham County, huge deal, right? And I've always thought this from the get-go. Uh, I've never seen a state do this, uh, and I've always wondered... If there was a state to do it, it would. I would think Georgia would be the El Numero Uno state to do it because so much militarily. I mean, I haven't seen a whole state just go straight VA, you know, where they support the VA, where they bring in veterans. They let veterans do jobs. You know, they, they, they bring these guys in. They sit them down. Uh, one of the biggest things, like my mother always said, and she told me this, like, especially after Newtown and what happened in Newtown, Connecticut, um, at Sandy Hook with the school shooting, she said, why don't we just have a VA guy, like a, a former retired, whatever he is, uh, instead of him being homeless, let's just sit him in front of the house, let's pay him a wage, and we'll have him sit in front of the, the school. And if anybody comes to screw with those kids, he's going to take care of business. And I, I've, I've said that on more than one occasion. I think that should be something, I think one state though should take just the forefront of it and say, hey, give me all your vets. If you don't want give them to me. Because they're going to work. They're going to work harder than most Americans do because they know what it means to work. And a lot of them, uh, there's a lot of homeless vets that, you know, give them a job. You let them do a job. You let them make a wage. You let them 
earn for themselves again, you would solve that problem in a heartbeat. And I think Georgia, because a lot of us in the military, this is where we start. We come to Georgia. I started here. That's why I came back here. I started here 28 years ago. You came back here because I didn't well, give you a you choice. <laughs> you bought a house I, here. I chose to live here. We were from up north, and it was horrible up there. Um, I, I will say, though, that the school system, you know, we grew up in Connecticut, and Connecticut, uh, the top 100 high schools in the entire country are all public schools in Connecticut. So the, the standard of education is is much different. Yeah, it really is. You know, there there's a big discrepancy between public school education in Connecticut and public school education in Georgia. And that was one of the reasons that we put our kids in private school. The other one was Common Core, which seems like an issue that has kind of faded into the background lately, but I think it's still really it, it's present in a lot of parents' minds, right? They've they haven't quite given up that fight yet. You know, they still rail about the fact that kids don't learn cursive in public school. They're they're doing math in boxes. Like, who, who does that? You, they bring their homework home, and parents can't help them do it because they have no idea what they're talking about. Like, when you're doing engineering, when you're doing real math, rounding to the nearest number isn't going to quite cut it. It feels like they're dumbing all of our kids down to the lowest common denominator instead of raising them all up to do the very best they can and, and think critically. But as, as an educator, how do you feel about that? Especially because Common Core, I mean, that, that'll be a situation that you have to deal with here in Georgia. I mean, how do you feel? Yeah, about Common Core's got to go. Common Core is the most, it's, it's horrible. It's terrible. And when I started teaching, we had QCCs, and then it went to something else, and then it went to Common Core. But you need basic objectives. The teachers are taught how to teach objectives. Let them teach. Let them use their passion. You know, some of them are going to use groups and some of them are going to use direct instruction more. Some of them are going to do, you know, projects and more visual. Every teacher is different. But you let the teacher have autonomy to make those decisions and how best fits their personality. And the kids are going to learn because the teacher is going to show that she's happy and she loves it or he does. He's happy, loves to teach. And the kids are going to they're going to love to learn. We have to get away from from all the idiotic teaching. You're right. I taught third grade. I taught cursive writing, Georgia history and long division and, and rounding and time and money. It was a critical grade. And now I went to a third grade classroom the other day and they were learning all that box stuff. My children have brought that mess home. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like you don't have time to do that when you're in a real job. Why are you teaching them that way? And the kids don't even understand why they're doing it. Yeah, and that's a that's another great point. I, I I just laughed because my son came home and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, Dad, this is the way they taught me to do." It. No, let me no. show you. Give me give me your paper. And then I showed him long division, and he was like, "Dad, you can't do it that way." I said, "Why is that?" He's like, "Because I can't show my work." I said, "Just draw a box around it, son. It'll work." <laughs> so, that's right. Either way, let's say uh, I got people that want to get out and help you. Uh, where do they go? How do we get in touch with you? What is the best way to, to talk to Candace Taylor if we wanted to volunteer, help out with your campaign? Like I, I do, honestly, Candace. I, you know, I quit my job to homeschool my kid. We've got lots of time on our hands between going to the beach and going to Fort Pulaski and going to the Kennedy Space Center. You know, I mean, we're doing like four and she a half hours in of a good sign. And honestly, what you said about the testing. When I signed him up for homeschool, which, by the way, parents listening, is super easy. You go online. You fill out a form. Declaration of intent. It Like, you have to have a GED in the state of Georgia to homeschool your kid. 
and they have to go to school for four and a half hours for 180 days. And after third grade, they only have to test every three years. Why are we putting our kids through this, I mean, ridiculous testing? It's like all they ever do is prepare for the next test. They're not actually learning anything. They're just preparing for the next test. But anyway, I, I neither here nor there. Getting back to it. I, I would love to volunteer to help on your campaign, Candace. So how do I help you? How do I join your campaign? Yeah. So y'all, I'm having a rally in Savannah. I think, oh, I don't want to say, but I think it's October 2nd. But I'll, I'll post it on my, on my, all my social media, Telegram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. But you go to CandaceTaylor.com. And if you go to Save Georgia, you can fill out the notices that I have that are demanding an audit. I'd love for y'all to do that. You can go, I have a store on there that has t-shirts and hats and all that. You can make a $5 donation, a dollar, whatever doesn't hurt you. I live on a budget. I understand what it's like to live on a budget. So most people can give a dollar, doesn't affect them at all, $5, you know, $10, whatever. That's great. If you are a millionaire and you can give max donation of 7000 that's great too. But I never want it to hurt people. I don't usually ask for money because... I know what it feels like. I'm like, I hate when people ask me for money. I'm an educator. I'm not a salesman. And, you know, my fundraising staff fusses at me because they're like, you won't ask for money. And I'm like, I know because people have to feed their families and they have credit cards to pay off and they have their house. They're trying to get debt free. So anyway, but yeah, whatever you're willing to do, if you want signs, you can go. Um, there's a join me section where you can join, like if you want to volunteer or you want to request a sign, a yard sign. Or if you have like a place that's on a main highway, we can do like a four by three sign or an eight foot sign. So I would love, love, love any support y'all can give. Y'all go to my website and go to all those links and it'll, it'll tell you it's kind of easy to follow. Well, fantastic. And I follow you on Twitter as well, Candice. So um, like I said, you know, popcorn a, a couple weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. Um, where else can people find you? Are you on Telegram, Twitter, Facebook? Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, all that. Well, Fantastic. if you just send us your links, we'll put it at the bottom of the show and we'll make sure that we spread it around as far as we can and make sure that everybody knows how to get in touch with Candace Taylor. Um, yeah, and my all of my links to my social media are on my website too. Okay. Awesome. And anybody else, if you live in Georgia, obviously, hopefully this will be our next governor. Um, as long as you get out there and vote. Uh, I, I agree with Bongino on this one. 10-10-10 rule. Look, you tell the 10 people you make 10 um, social media posts, you email 10 people, you tell them to go out and vote. When the time comes, uh, hopefully we can get this lady elected and put her in office, and hopefully she can bring some change to our state. Um, we need it, and I think she's going to do a damn good job. I've said that more than once. I actually talked about it even before I we went to Tampa. I said, I, yeah, don't know if you've, sure did. I, I don't know if you've heard about this lady, Candace Taylor, but I think she's going to make a difference. So this is her. And, I and you know what? Me, my grassroots has like exploded the last month just in donations and in just volunteering and reaching out. And, and it's been amazing. It's like, you're right. It's like 10 people tell 10 people and it's growing. So you don't have to have millions upon millions of dollars to run for a statewide seat. I think that they blow a lot of money. They pay, you know, a lot of their staff. My staff are all volunteers and they work harder than their staff does. I promise you, because I watch their staff and my staff's working harder because they believe in, in my message and they know that I'm not going to be bought off and I'm not a sellout. So I think that we can do this. You know, we have to have money, but we don't have to have $10 million like other 
candidates or, you know, already have already working on. And we can truly have a grassroots campaign and, and do this, but we do have to get an audit or do enough to get rid of the machines and go back to paper ballots so we can we can actually tell where the votes are going. And we're going to outsmart them. If they don't get rid of the machines, then we'll do something different. We may all do absentees and turn them in the day of the election so they don't know how many are coming and take pictures of them and have one central location that we calculate our own votes. I don't know what we'll do, but we will have our election controlled and secure the next time. We will not allow them to totally hijack this mess again and not be able to prove it. And uh, that's that's the biggest part of this. That's the one thing I heard you say a long time ago, and I was just like, man, I I told everybody about you. I said, hey, this lady's coming in Georgia. We're going to have a, a reckoning, and um, I believe that reckoning's here, and I believe it's in you. So uh, uh, if you don't have anything else, madam, I appreciate your time tonight. I'm glad you could come on our show, and uh, we want you back. Uh, we're definitely going to bring you back. I want to get something in the midterm where you're right in the middle of everything and we can get you get your message back out there. I'm just glad we got you on tonight. I, I'm really happy this worked out. I hope the audio survives. It sounds good. I, I think I, I think we're good here. So, yeah, we're we're looking forward to having you back. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to make the rally in October because we're going to be at Clay Clark's thing. Um, no, it's the second weekend. No, she said October 2nd. Oh, is it? Yeah. And I think. I have one October 2nd. I can't remember if that's Savannah or Macon. I can't remember. But anyway, I'll give you all the date. And, and see where we can um, meet up with you in person. Even if we've got to travel, we'll travel. Yeah, no, no that's fine. That. Yeah. I mean, Georgia and, you know, being from up north, it's a whole different perspective because it takes four hours to get from Connecticut to Maine. And here it takes four hours to get from Savannah to Atlanta. So... You know, it's it's a little bit different, um, but it's a big we're, state. we're all about driving rather than flying these days because the mask Nazis have just they're they're overwhelmingly ridiculous. So, um, but we appreciate again, having you on, though. Thank you so much for coming on, Candace. We we really appreciate it, and we uh, so look forward to seeing what you're going to do for our state um, in the next uh, year and a half, and then once you're governor. So I, I will say that you are our first official endorsement. So vote for. Taylor for Governor of Georgia 2022. Absolutely. Oh, thank y'all so much. And I always end and say, I'm Candace Taylor. I'm the one you've been waiting for. So, but thank y'all so much for having me. And I had so much fun. I love y'all. <laughs> so I'll come back. Okay. Awesome. You have a good night, madam. Thank you for your you time. You too. All right. Bye-bye.